I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. Oh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, this is Kristen Sinanto Walker here and I've got a great guest. You know, we're on our cyberbullying, bullying, stalking, um, digital harassment. Somebody told me that our often co-host Frank King with the mental health comedian gave me a funny uh, little thing about the, the term digital harassment. I was like, yeah, that probably doesn't sound really great. But anyway, that's exactly what it is. We have a great guest on and she is the daughter of someone that we absolutely love, Tom Dahlberg. Samantha Dahlberg is on with us. She was, well, she is a graphic designer. She's also a model and she's a former Miss Maine USA. And there's a lot of things she does just, you know, like how we are today. We're not just defined by one thing anymore. We all wear a lot of hats. So Samantha, thank you so much much for agreeing to come on and do this show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Good, I'm glad. And you know, I want to point out too, every time someone that comes on our show that is willing to talk about this particular topic is um, extremely brave because every time you bring this up, you're exposing yourself to maybe a little bit more harassment. So um, listeners, please uh, listen with ears and empathy and compassion, knowing that, you know, these are pretty brave people for speaking out like this so publicly. So Samantha, our hat is off to you. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I think too, um, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, it gives other people permission to be vulnerable as well and share their story. So thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So do you mind telling our listeners about the age range that you are? Um, so I just turned 25 <laughs> a couple of days ago. So Congratulations. Um, you're a Capricorn like me then. I am. Well, what date in January too. is your, what date in January? Uh, the 17th. When's yours? Girl, 17th. <laughs> no way. Are you Seriously. Crazy? I just turned 49. Oh Happy birthday. That's too funny. Same to you. I've never met anybody with my same birthday before. Well, it's meant to be that we're talking. I can feel it in my bones. Oh my goodness. I love it. Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) Thanks. Same to you. So tell our listeners a little bit about your story around, um, you know, what you do and, and how you've had to deal with bullying and harassment. Yeah. So 
Um, so basically, so I'm 25, and so I was doing the math, and I think about 10 years ago was when I made my, my Facebook profile. And I think that's kind of when it all started, was when this whole social media thing came about with all the, the cyber bullies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was super excited, 15, I was going to make my own Facebook, and I wasn't really like the cool girl, but I wasn't really like the super like book smart either. I just kind of, you know, I talked to everybody and I was kind of just in the middle floating. So I didn't really have any like close, close friends. I kind of just floated around. Um, And on Facebook one night, I think I was just being myself and I commented something back when everybody, you know, said everything that they wanted to say on Facebook. (laughs) And and, um, I can't remember exactly what the words were, but it backfired on me and it blew up and these girls that were considered like the cool girls in school um, were attacking me basically with like these words. And I remember we only had one computer at home. It was right before dinner time. And I was like reading these and I was responding back, like what you shouldn't do. You should always think before you respond or don't respond at all. But we didn't know that. We didn't know that back then, but I was responding back and it was just feeding them and it kept getting worse and worse. And they were commenting on my photos and, um, and then it was like dinner time and mom just like looked at me and she was like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm just like sitting there with like cold, like shakes, like, I don't know yeah. what happened and I'm don't, I don't feel okay. And I don't know what I did to like deserve that almost. Like, I don't know what just happened because it, it was such a new thing. And honestly, I can't tell you what I said or what the post was or what was happening, but I just remember the way that they made me feel, um, like talking about it right now, there's like a rock in my stomach. Like it was yeah. not fun. So yeah, I was off Facebook for a little bit because I was like, eh, that's not what I'm going to do right now. <laughs> and um, my parents, of course, they comforted me and they told me like, it's okay. Like, just don't respond to people like that. That feeds them, blah, blah, blah. So I went to school and I, I can't remember if it was like over boys or over what, but these girls just ever since then, they they decided that they didn't like me, I guess. And I'm not trying to play a victim here at all or anything. I'm still trying to process like what happened. Um, But they would, I worked with these girls at an ice cream shop and um, to give you kind of a, it it wasn't just social. It it was also at work. So I would go to work and we punched in with like actual punch cards back then. And they would punch holes in my punch card. Um, like you couldn't even tell like when I was coming in or when I was leaving and my boss got mad at me. He was like, what is this? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. And of course they're not going to, you know, they're going to play all nice in front of the boss. Um, And they would give me like less tips and they would, um, we had this like big poster thing with all these spoons. It seems kind of silly, but we were an ice cream shop. Um, All these spoons (laughs) that had the whole team's name on them. So everybody had their own spoon and we kind of designed them and stuff. And I had to make mine probably four times because it kept getting tossed in the trash or broken or just, it was like little things like that. And I'm like, I still don't know why, you know, but, um, and they would like scratch my car and stuff. So I just don't, I had to like, be like, okay, am I going to retaliate and say stuff and and confront them? Or am I just going to be my calm self and just kind of, you know, go on with my day and hopefully it like dries out and they move on um so that's the route I went was just stay quiet and it bothered me but I was like I don't want to feed into them um or anything so that was a lot of my high school life and 
Um, I even remember one time I didn't want to go to lunch um, because that was a lot of people and I'm an introvert. So I just didn't want to be around anybody. I had lunch in a bathroom <laughs> just because I wanted yeah. to be by myself. So I think, I think that I remember that being a huge thing in high school was the cattiness of the girls and having to work with them and be on sports teams with them and having it, having it be within the school but then also you go home and you want to check your Facebook or whatever it was back then and it's there too so I had to learn to be um strong and independent and know that I'm um I'm my only friend at the end of the day you know so I have to be there for myself (laughs) and that's that's kind of where um I think my my strong and independentness came from yeah you know my my son's 29 and he said to me he just did a show about this too and he said you know i think the benefit of being the millennial generation is that you know the internet and social media and all that was was started in our generation and so we've been dealing Mm -hmm. with trolls and bullying from the very beginning of of it starting in terms of it being online and how that affects you at school so he goes so by the time we get into our 20s we're well versed in how this happens and we've been trolled so many times that we just kind of have a thick skin about it whereas Mm -hmm. older generations aren't used to it and so they're (gasps) and younger than millennials are dealing with it for the first time, but we're the one generation that, you know, we've, we've really gotten hit hard with it. And I thought that was kind of a wise, <laughs> a wise yeah, statement. No, I totally agree with him. Yeah. Cause he's, you know, when I told him about some stuff that's happened with me, he's like, yeah, that's a troll. Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's very empathetic and he's like, I know right. It's horrible, mom. You're going to feel like this. You're going to feel like this. You're going to not feel safe for a while. You're going to da da da. It's like, I'm not trying to be, you know, not compassionate, but I mean, that's really what it is. And I'm sorry. And I was like, it helped me kind of go, okay, well, look at here's my 29 year old being like, yeah, it's a troll. So I can do that too, you know? Yeah, but it's good, though, that you guys can both give each other a little pep talk. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Now, I know I don't know your mom, but, you know, I mean, I'm I know that she's amazing because her husband is amazing. And there's always a more amazing woman behind an amazing husband. That's just my personal opinion. Oh, I love that. I'll have to tell her that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And your parents are extremely empathetic people. So Mm -hmm. how you know, when you've talked to other young women and young men that have dealt with this kind of a thing that are your age, um, have you been surprised at either a lack of um, compassion or even knowledge or what to say from some of their parents? Like, how have you felt about the ways you've heard their parents deal with their bullying? Um, so I think um, a big part of my coping, it has been my parents and having them to fall back on and give like get a hug from my mom and you know getting that like emotional support um and so when I've talked to people who their parents they they aren't there they don't get it um it's sad and it's almost like I like I want to I want to give you a hug and so I try to be there Mm -hmm. for them because whether it's your parents or your best friend or something like you need I feel like we need someone physically to be there to give us a hug or give us a pep talk or you know, be there and have that connection with someone. So um, some of the people don't have parents that understand or they they have parents that are like, they understand 
they don't understand to the capacity that someone as like a millennial would, because like you said, we understand the social part of this where they might just think it's like a bully on the playground kind of a thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes total sense. I'm going to tell you a little story and I want to hear what you, like your first reaction thoughts to it. So when, when I was in high school, it was like 1984 to 80, six because I tested out early because I hated school and I was going through a bunch of trauma. So I, I could not mm-hmm. be there. But during that time, I, I, um, I was bullied, um, you know, your typical high school cattiness or whatever. And then it got to a level where um, someone that was a known get in fights and had, you know, ruptured some girl's eardrum on campus <gasps> and really like the terror of the school. Um, and she, some, she targeted me and, um, I was like, oh my gosh, the, my first fear was being embarrassed. I wasn't even scared of getting hit or anything like that. I was, my first fear was this is going to be massively embarrassing if she picks a fight with me at school. And I just didn't want to deal with that. And I don't know how narcissistic that is, that that was my first fear. I have no idea. But I was really um, like you. I was a floater in school. I hung around different groups. And I had lunch in my car sometimes. Oh, my God. We're the same person. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And I... I had um, lunch, like sometimes the stress of who I was going to have lunch with, like try to figure out so that I wasn't alone was so Mm -hmm. stressful that I couldn't even focus on like the class I was in before lunch was coming up. Exactly. No, I totally understand what you're saying. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And these are very real things when you're, when you're that age. I mean, hello, you haven't lived long enough to have this wide perspective of life. But at that time that was like, (gasps) and uh, so I, I told my friend's mom, it didn't occur to me to ever tell my mom really anything um, for a lot of reasons, but I told my friend's mom, Hey, this is what's happening with this girl. And she says, she's going to kick my ass And of course, she's going to do it, you know, in school. And I'm mortified by this. And it's over some guy that's the boyfriend of a friend of hers that they think I'm flirting with it. And I wasn't. It was just utterly ridiculous nonsense. And I was mature enough to know that that was nonsense. But I went to my friend's uh, mom and she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to drive over there. I know where she lives and I want to talk to her outside of school. So we did, we drove to this woman's or this young person's house and I stood outside and she was there and her friend that was accusing me of flirting with her boyfriend was there too. And we just, you know, with the parents sitting there in the car and me up on their doorstep, we just had a conversation and we hugged it out and then they totally left me alone. And like, nobody would bully me after that because they thought, Oh, if we mess with her, then her friend, so-and-so that is a terror of the school will kick our ass. But what do you, what are your first thoughts about that kind of thing? Wow. I just have to say, (laughs) okay, first, we, I think we lived the same life (laughs) in high school. (laughs) I think it's pretty similar, but I wasn't as brave as you You were so brave to do that, to go there and to face her face to face and show your face and be like, Hey, cut it out. Like, that's not okay. I kind of wish I would have thought of that or did that. That's amazing. 
it doesn't always work. And and listeners, I'm not telling this story to have you go, oh, Kristen was so brave. I, I, I really wanted to hear Samantha's reaction because I don't know that that would work today. Um, I, I really don't know. I think the, the benefit of my age and that we didn't have social media and cell phones even, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that that kind of confrontation would have, would really work today uh, within today's society because the immediately the phone can come out and things can be misconstrued and posted anyway because people are so hyped up on getting attention online that it's mm-hmm. much more it seems more important to get that attention whether it's negative or positive than to actually resolve a conflict yes I'm like over here like nodding my head like yes. <laughs> yeah I agree it's... I agree I but Still, though, I think I'm I'm proud of you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't easy, believe me. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be killed. There, she'll knife me. What am I doing? Um, but right, yeah, huge just, risk, you know, huge risk. Yeah, it was a risk for sure. And you know, it's a risk doing what you do because when you put yourself out there and you're a model as an example, and you have beautiful pictures taken of you and so on, people automatically project. Mm-hmm. envy whatever it is that's going on with them and like you said you're an introvert but you do this for um you know for some of your work how have you dealt with that piece and posting pictures of yourself and so on and people's projections of you um that's a great question i think so i i not struggle but i just think about this all the time my mind is always going like how do i want to portray myself out there for people, mm-hmm. but then also I fight with the thought of like, it doesn't matter what they think of me, it's what I think of myself. And like, I'm artistic. So if I like this picture and it's artistic and whatever, I'll, I want to post it, I'll do that. And then sometimes I get like a like a text or something like, why why did you post that? Like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, shoot, should I take that down? They're like, no, <laughs> I like it. I'm going to post it there. And it has a meaning to me. So that's why I do that. And um, I think people kind of understand now because I've, I've commented back and, and stood up for myself and stuff. So they know, okay, yeah. Sammy's real. She's posting what she wants and it's okay. And she's being who she is and she's being vulnerable and this or that. Um, but even being in the modeling industry though, I have like doubts about myself and I'm like, should I dye my hair brown or blonde people too? Um, like, do I, am I not, am I not going to get the job because I'm blonde because there's so many blonde people with blue eyes. And like, I always fight with like my size and stuff. And, um, at, so I'm always being in the modeling industry and how having it changing right now is amazing and having like more inclusive sizing and colors and everything is amazing. But I still mm. have that piece of me where I'm like, I'm like, who am I? And what am I trying to do here? Yeah. <laughs> and supposed you, to be like saying. And that is age appropriate. I mean, it's just magnified because of social media, the internet and being a model. It's just like everything you're saying is what you'd be thinking, even if you were someone that worked in a closet on a computer 25 hours a day, but you're 25 years old or 25 hours a day, 25 (laughs) hours a week. But you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's such a, this is your time in your twenties to really start examining that. And so to have it multiplied by 10 gazillion makes it even more difficult. Yeah, How, process, but it's fun. Talk, talk a little bit more about, you know, I, I love what you just said about how the industry is changing. So talk a little bit more about that piece of it. Um, how, how, you know, your thoughts and your, uh, what you're noticing about how the modeling industry has changed. 
Yeah. So, um, I think what it really started with was probably when all of this social media stuff came about and everyone's learning, um, Photoshop and stuff, you know, people were Photoshopping magazines really bad, um, and making people super, super skinny and having that whole like skinny, um, person time, time period. And people were getting angry because not everybody looks like that. And which I totally understand. And I think now it's moved on from just size to also colors and races and hair textures and all these different things. And, um, really just celebrating every type of woman and every type of person out there, which is really exciting because I think before then we've all been questioning ourselves, like, should I wear this? Like, does this look okay? Do I feel good in this? And, you know, trying to put ourselves in boxes when now, um, they're trying to, you know, break the mold and get out of the box. And so me in the modeling industry myself, I'm a size four. So that's not super tiny and it's not super big. I'm really <laughs> I called like street size right now. And um so I have a couple so of my funny. friends. Isn't that it's called street it's, size. I'm like, this is called me. <laughs> I know, but it's so funny that a size four, I mean I know that a zero is sample size or it was anyway. And I know the industry mm-hmm. industry is changing, but I mean, you just wake up and you're naturally a size four. So, uh, you know, that, and a lot of my friends are, are like, they just wake up and they look like they got walked out of a commercial and they can't help it. And I've <laughs> seen them get so much haterade because that's what they look like. And I'm like, they woke up like that. Like it's, you know, everybody has a gift. Um, it, it has different gifts. It doesn't mean they're better than you or they're trying to be better than you because they look that way. You do. There are things that I do that are amazing that my friends that wake up and look like a commercial ready person can't do. So, you know, we all have right. our awesome things, but what's so interesting is size four being street size is still far and away from what the average American person's woman sizes, which is a 14 to 16. That's really street mm-hmm. size. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I just learned that. So they call me street size, but I'm like, I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, I worked, I worked for a fashion designer, um, a dress designer, a couple, I think it was about a year ago now I modeled for her and then I worked in her office and, um, I was one of her sample size models as a size four. She kind of made her sample size a four. Um, and then I would help with, with production and um, like shipping out the dresses from, from the warehouse and everything. And most of the dresses that went out all around the world, not just like Maine or Massachusetts, like or where she's located, all around the world, they, the average sizes were between 12 and 16. Yeah. And that just like blew my mind. I'm like, you're selling more 12 and through 16 sizes and you are a two and a four. Yep. Isn't that crazy? That's my size. That's my size. I had, I, 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 cause I totally have struggled with my, um, I had a eating disorder as a young girl and in my yearbook, all these boys wrote, you're not fat. Cause all I talked about was how fat I am. And I was like, probably size six. I had all these, you know, body dysmorphia just from a lot of different things that were going on. But mm-hmm that listeners already know about, but, you know, it's something that's come with me my whole life. And, um, I got asked to do a speaking gig and I said, listen, um, I'm Oprah size. So just, you know, be aware of that because I looked at everybody that was speaking, this is like a year ago, and they were all like these runners and, you know, triathlon women. And they wanted me to speak as the CEO of this mental health network. And I'm like, 
I just want to make sure you're aware that I'm because I felt like if I I felt like I had to give an excuse about the way I look before I got there, which is sad, you know, sad. we shouldn't have to do that. But that's how we feel. A lot of us right. feel so right. it's it's not a character defect. It's something to look at, you know, in society based on what you just said size four street size, but they were selling more 1416. So I guess the challenge for people is to get out and speak anyway, if that's something you like to do and size be damned. Yeah. And I think um, every year I've gone to this I just moved to Boston, but I used to live in Maine. And every year I'd go to this Maine Women's Foundation luncheon. And um, every year there'd be this booth on the side. And um, I would go and I'd weigh myself because it's all about like women, um, positivity and everything. And the scale had no numbers on it. It said like uh, Mm. fabulous or like amazing or, you know, like perfect (laughs) or something like that. And so I weighed like fabulous. I'm like, oh, perfect. (laughs) So um, I really like that. And so I... I don't even own a scale. Um, I hardly, I, yeah, I don't it. Cause I, I've struggled with um, eating too. And, and just like food in general, having a, a positive relationship with food from mm. not even just modeling, but just everything that's happened in my life and, and stuff I can probably share at another time. But um, yeah, I don't own a scale and I just try to be the most genuine me that I can. And I, I wouldn't have been able to do all of this if I wasn't, like bullied and didn't go through that before, you know? So like, thank you to the bullies. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I know. It's hard to get to that place, but it's so healthy. Did you ever um, go to counseling to, you know, for anything, but including this? No, I didn't. I think one, like you said earlier, um, I would have been embarrassed and been like, Mm -hmm. like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I have to do this? But also, um, I had a really good, like I said too before, my parents were always there to answer any questions and um, support us and um, be there. So I have, I never went to anything, but I also like love reading and love education. And so I would just read everything and be like, how do I help myself with this? And how do I do this? And so that's kind of how I got into the self-help and self-love industry lately is I've just been like how do I help myself be the best self and I became obsessed (laughs) so now I have my own (laughs) blog about it so I love it yeah that's so funny because my son said the same thing I said honey we did a show the millennial mail or something like that he's only been on twice and I've been on for five years but um anytime he'll come on I'm like thank you because he's such a private private person. But, um, I said to him, uh, you know, well, why didn't you tell me, you know, what was going on? Cause of all moms, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've been, I was talking about sexual abuse when I was 14 and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was in our household was like that mom talked about these things and, and did talks and whatever. And I was like, why didn't you, you could have, you so could have come to me. You know, I felt like what, what am I doing as a parent that I totally you know, I knew he was depressed, but I, you know, I was like, I'm a horrible parent. And he goes, mom, hello, the internet. Like I could Google depression. Oh, yep. Those are my symptoms. Okay. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) I went, okay. The internet does not give good mom hugs though. No, it doesn't. Good old mom hugs. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Absolutely. I'm going to, you, okay. You need to make that a meme. <laughs> the internet is <laughs> mom hugs. That's so great. <laughs> we are the same person. Oh my God. Um, okay. <laughs> so in terms of, um, you know, you speaking out about mental health and self-esteem and things like that, do you think that that's helped you be less trolled or less harassed because you talk about these things? I think, yes, I think, um, so once I had my Miss Main platform and like, I really got like a solid voice on my Instagram and my Facebook, I noticed a lot of the people who would comment on my stuff, you know, like, like random, like, ew, gross or whatever it was, they all disappeared. Like, I think they're mm -hmm. still following me. I'm not sure because I don't really check who follows me, but I think they're still there and but they're silent, you know, they're just watching now. And it's so funny because now on Instagram stories, um, you can put like a post up on your story and say like, ask me any questions or whatever. Like, I'll be like, what do you guys want to see on the blog and stuff like that. And the, the girls from high school, they message me things and they say like, Oh, like, I want to know your skincare routine. Where'd you get those shoes? And I'm like, mm. wait, what? <laughs> Are some of those the girls that were mean? Yes. Oh dude. Okay. So how, uh, okay. <laughs> How did, what was your first, if you can remember your first reaction when one of the mean girls messaged you as if they did nothing to try and destroy your self-esteem? Literally, immediately, I was like, is this a joke? Like, am I being punked right now? Like, what's going on? <laughs> wow. What did you do? Like, how have you handled that? Um, so some of them, if someone has like a question, I can just answer and type back. I'll do that. Um, and then sometimes I'll just respond back with a video. So with those girls, I didn't want to like directly talk to them because I don't feel like I need to be giving them all of my energy again. Yes. Um, so I just put a video out there and said like, Hey guys, like, I know you guys have been asking, um, I got these shoes at blah, blah, blah. And so it kind of answers the question. They're still watching the story, you know? So, but Good for you. I just thought that was Good. crazy. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, you know that that somebody put a meme out a while ago that said don't feed the trolls and and that's don't feed them while they're trolling and don't feed them when they're pretending like it didn't happen. Exactly. Exactly. I the only time I've ever um direct messaged someone who was horrendous to me was someone who apologized. I mean flat out apologized and then it took me a while and then mm -hmm. I said I and and I didn't feel guilty but they they did explain that they had they were dealing with depression and bipolar disorder when they were behaving the way that they were towards me and I was like the way that it was worded because we're so um we're extremely compassionate but we also mm -hmm. don't take anybody's shit so if somebody mm -hmm. comes after us we're like D let me tell you the throwdown is not it's yeah. going to be compassionately unpretty. So, yes. um, <laughs> so, um, and so anyway, so the, the way that it was worded was really good, but my first thought was, okay, is this some narcissist that really knows how to write something that's gonna make me fall for their BS and lure me back into a relationship and then slam me again? Cause we know all about mm -hmm. that here too, but I decided to take a chance and I direct message back. And now they're one of my really 
good friends and they were horrid, horrid. Really? Wow. But that's the only one where I'm like, cause you know, I, I had my times where I was petty or whatever too. I mean, I've lived a long time, you know, there's a lot of years <laughs> under your belt and you can lash out, you know, when you're depressed and stuff like that. And you can lash out when you're being um, attacked and, uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, so, you know, you have to do a lot of forgiveness of yourself. But anyway, I'm talking way too much. This is about you, not me. Um, No, I was just going to say, too, um, (laughs) I love having this conversation with you, by the way. (laughs) Good. Um, I was going to say, even if we don't respond to them, um, I feel like I feel like we can forgive them for Mm -hmm. what they did without talking to them, too, you know, like in your own self and in your own mind say okay blah 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 I forgive you for this I, I'm not forgetting it but like I'm making peace with it and I'm letting it go you know yeah tell me what you what your thoughts are around you said you didn't want to give your energy towards that so explain more about what you mean by by that statement what does that mean yeah. to you about your energy so I think over the past couple of years I've really been in tune with just my energy and where I feed it, whether it's creatively or at, at work or whatever I'm doing, if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel like it fuels me. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm only going to do things that make me feel good. So when they would message me things like that, I felt like that rock in my stomach again. And I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I just don't want to talk to you. So I was like, but thank you for your question. I'll answer it in this next video. <laughs> you know, I just didn't want to put yeah. my hand out there and like reach it. Cause I didn't know if they were going to like fight and like you said, like you, you kind of like a risk. I didn't want to yeah. open up another door. So I was protecting myself, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, that's really, you know, you're practicing self-care. And that also comes with having really compassionate, wise parents, too, because you learned modeling of self-care by watching them. Um, I, I mean, I remember your dad once, um, it was on Facebook and he, I was typing something, I don't know, was, I'm sure I was trying to elicit pity of some kind without really realizing it, but I typed something on Facebook and I love how you said when you just typed everything without thinking. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so true. In the beginning, we're like, la, 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 la. and then later now we're like, oh shit, what have I put out there? Oh no. Yeah. Or like on Facebook when it's like, you wrote this six years ago. I'm like, oh my God, did I really? (laughs) Exactly. For the public consumption. When we were so naive and we had no clue what what was really going to happen. But anyway, your dad said something like he he wrote back and he said, you just need someone that pushes the guacamole back up onto your chip. And I was like, oh man. Yes. And I was like, that is so Tom. I mean, oh my gosh, that is the sweetest and so (laughs) simple, but astute. And I thought, oh yeah. And my, my ex-husband, the father of my son does that for me. He called me beautiful the other day. And, and I said, uh, he is legally blind. So I said, (laughs) I was just about to like discount his compliment by mm-hmm. saying, well, you are legally blind. He goes, I don't want to hear about how I'm legally blind. So I know what you're thinking because we've known each other for 32 years now. He goes, I don't want to hear it. You're beautiful. I, it's what I think. It stands as is, and I don't want to hear anything back. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. Thank you. Yeah. And I said, okay, thank you. Aww. <laughs> He so, put the guacamole back on your chip. That's right. He did. That's so, <laughs> and that's so important. You have to have friends that will do that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do you deal with people thinking possibly that you're, and I'm, I'm trying to ask this in the most non 
um, con confrontational way. I'm just doing this based on what people, I hear people say about people who model or are actresses or actors. How do you mm -hmm. deal with people that think, oh, because you're a model, you're contributing to the problem of body image issues or that you must be shallow or, you know, how do you have to deal with that or how do you deal with that? Um, that's a good question too. I think, so I wanted to be a fashion designer and a photographer and a model and I wanted to be all the things when I was little that are creative and have to do with clothes. <laughs> like I wanted to do it all. So um, I knew though that being Miss Maine would lead me to being a model and that's something I've always wanted to do just because it's creative and that's what fuels me. And I love just creating things. Um, I was never in it to be like, Oh, I want to be famous and I want to do this right. and that, and whatever. And so, um, but I knew that that stigma was kind of out there. And so for me to set myself apart, I really wanted to immediately from the get go, like use my platform that we are given to um, let people know who I am, what's going on. And I've always tried to be really, really real with people and um, let them know what's going on. And I made that blog, um, She Feels Treen, and it's all about self-awareness um, and self-love and just being real and understanding that you are you and nobody can tell you who you are. And I think just people seeing all of that all together, they're like, okay, Samantha's different. You know, she's not, she's not in it for mm -hmm. this and that or whatever. Like she's doing modeling, but she's also a designer and she's also this and she's doing all these different things and she's real. She has bad days. She has good days and she shares that with us. So mm -hmm. I've always tried to just yeah. really be vulnerable with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How, how do other people in your family, um, I, I know how your parents, they're just love you uh, and your brother <laughs> to pieces, but how do other people in your family react to you being so vulnerable and open about, you know, yourself? And even today, you know, maybe you write something that says, you know, I really, I'm having a down day or, you know, whatever. How do they react to that? Do they read the things that you write and comment? What, what's up with that? Um, so I also have a sister too. I don't know if you know. Oh, have a sister. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So cool. it's my brother. Um, and then it's my sister. She just turned 20 and she's actually in England right now sitting abroad. She's amazing. Nice. Um, yeah. So my family is super supportive. And I think growing up, we've always had, when we had dinners, we'd always have them together. Everybody would be at the table. And at the end mm -hmm. of the day, we would say, what was the best part of your day? We would start with what was the worst part of your day to get it out of the way. And then we would say, what was the best part of your day? And always just kind of like communicate. So we were all very close in that way. Um, and I call my mom every day after work. I like call, like whenever it's like five o'clock or eight o'clock, I call her and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just driving home. What are you doing? And so communication has always been like super open. And so if I post something, I'll usually like tell them first, it's like, Hey guys, I'm sharing this today. This is what I'm thinking and feeling. And I just want to let you know. And so then I'll post it or, um, maybe I'll post before and then I'll, then mom will be like, what was that? And I'm like, oh, this is this, this, and we'll talk about it. And they're always just supportive. And I think they, they understand the, in, the importance of my voice to me. They, they know what yeah. it means to me. So, but yeah, it's always very open and supportive. And if there's always like, if there's a question or something, I know I have four other people in my family I can go to. Will you please beg your parents to do classes on how to be parents <laughs> I, I think that that would be really I'm not like I'm not even kidding that would oh. be so beneficial because now 
you, you all may or may, you know, you may decide to have children of your own and you're going to take everything that they taught you and you're going to infuse that into your children and um, people, the, the planet, um, if you decide to have kids with more children that have self-esteem. And, and just because you were raised in that kind of environment doesn't mean that you didn't have your struggles because look at what right. we've talked about already. And so my, a question I have for you is, um, you know, yes, you had to deal with this. You had to deal with a lot of things that you, you know, we don't have time to share in one show, but I know that positivity is important and a healthy self-image is important, but sometimes it's like you're not living your best life unless you are just wreaking positivity 24-7. So there has to be this, um, you know, we have to have this understanding that, okay, sometimes negative things motivate us too. So how do you kind of work with that kind of in your own mind of you do want to be positive, but you also don't go into this hippy dippy land where just everything is rainbows and flowers every day. Cause that's not real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I try to be very open with my feelings too. And I think just being a very empathetic person, I try to feel everything. And so I definitely have my down days and my boyfriend knows that we live together in Boston and he knows when I'm having a down day and I'm like, I just need to be by myself. I'm having a problem. Like I'm trying to figure something out right now. Let's talk later. And we'll talk about it and everything. And I won't be on social media for a couple of days or, you know, mm. I won't wear makeup and wear, I'll wear like comfiest clothes I want. And, and, um, I think, um, having those negative times makes me like, um, I don't know if it's being a Capricorn and just like always wanted to succeed or something, but having, know, those down, <laughs> having those down days, I'm like, okay, I understand where, where it's coming from. I need to, I need to rest. I need to do this and that. But like, I can't wait to get back at it. And it almost like fuels me like this negative um, or like these down days and these like negative energies from people or whatever it may be. It just makes me want to be better. Um, but I also, mm -hmm. I share those negative things with people online too. And people in my life, I, I say like, Hey, I'm having a really bad day right now. Like can we talk? And um, it really helps me. And I think when, like I said earlier, when you share that, it makes people realize that, they can share that too and they can feel negativity and they can have a bad day and it's okay. Like we're, we're all human. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How, what do you say about um, victim blaming and shaming? And I bring this up because in the beginning you had said, you know, I'm not trying to um, throw a pity party or you didn't say it like that, but you, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So um, I, that first thing that you felt like you needed to say that, um, that comes from a victim shaming and blaming society. So how do you feel about, about that? I guess that was me being insecure real quick about sharing my story. Um, yeah. and thinking maybe when people listen, they're like, Oh, here's this before they probably even listen to the whole thing. They're going to be like, Oh, here's this model that, you know, this happened to yeah. her and she wants everyone to feel bad. So that was right. me. Yeah. Just, you know, saying that, but I think as I was talking, I was like, wow, I don't want people to think that I'm trying to think that I didn't do anything wrong, which of course I probably, obviously I did something that sparked something. So. Yeah. You didn't do anything yeah, think, wrong. Yeah. You, <laughs> but I'm glad that you, you're so eloquent and, uh, and, and in touch with yourself. That's fantastic. Um, 
And yes, in the midst of doing things like this, you can be racked with insecurity. And those words that came out of your mouth, I, that happens to me still. I mean, I just posted something about my dog that died. And then I, your dad turned it into, ugh, so sweet, he turned it into a blog article somewhere else. And then I posted, Aww. I was having a rough day. To, uh, yesterday, I posted something. And I don't post very much anymore because I'm just really like, ugh. Um, I mm -hmm. need a break from that energy, but I posted something else just saying, Hey, listen, I just realized I blew through last week, you know, working cap typical Capricorn, just throw it all into your work. And mm -hmm. um, the grief of, I mean, yeah, I cried the day that he died, which was just not this week, but last Monday. So it hasn't even been that long. <laughs> and this is a dog that I worked with for seven years in psych hospitals and with kids that have autism and Aww. I mean, he was a colleague and he was so half of his life because he lived till he was 14. So seven years of his life were with me doing all this incredible, you know, volunteer work and he died and I, I cried and then I did went about doing my work. And then mm -hmm. this weekend I was like, what is wrong with me? I can't, am I going into a depression? Like I'm really tired. I can't, I just, my apartment's kind of a mess and it's, I'm really good about, you know, about that and like what's happening. And then I posted, I had a realization I'm grieving. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like you can grieve. And I had that same thought. I thought, Oh crap. Are people going to think I'm trying to elicit pity? Right. <laughs> right. So it's so crazy. We're like, we want to share things. And then it's like, oh, should I share that though? Like, what are people going to think? And it's like, no, just, just share it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. So, every, no, I'm sorry every, about your puppy though. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I love animals. Um, oh, yeah. Me too. I know how much your dad loves your little. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the like squirrel dog we have. Yes. Please let that's that dog is gonna go down in history as the most loved dog ever. He's um, so cute. <laughs> I have two more questions for you. What is it when you became Miss Maine USA? What did you do? You know, that was a very proactive decision on your part to make as a mission of yours having a title like that. Um so I think while competing for Miss Maine's, so like as you're um, up there and I was number 26 on stage <laughs> you have a top five you have a top five question and my question was about bullying and how do I like I forget the exact question but it was something like have you ever been bullied before and what would you say to someone that was bullied or something like that or what would you do and so ever since the beginning my thing was all about bullying and just being positive and trying to um and just trying to be the best person that you can be. And so I, I had a project back in the day called the Confidence Project, where again, I wanted to be a model and a photographer and a designer. And like, I wanted to do all these things. And so I made this project where I would interview local girls in my town. I put a post out there on Facebook and I was like, Hey, anybody want to have a photo shoot? I'm doing this project. I would interview them, ask them mm. what their, um, what they love about themselves, what their hobbies are and stuff. And I would take them on a free photo shoot. And so I would bring them somewhere and we would take photos. They would wear whatever they feel comfortable in. I would edit the photos a little bit, like brighten them, saturate them, whatever. And then upload them to this site. And then it's so cool, like seeing all the girls next to each other and seeing like 
these beautiful pictures of them because when people talk about what they like, they glow. And so these yes. pictures were amazing. I need to find the website. I think it's down because I stopped paying for it. <laughs> but it's amazing. <laughs> these pictures are, it was, it I, was will really pay. Project. I will pay. I will pay for it to get put back up. I'm serious. Oh, It'll be a mental I, health news I radio network mission. It. Yeah, find yes. it and tell me what it is, and that will. I know you can pay for it yourself, but I would like to pay for that to go back up because oh, I would imagine these you. were girls that wouldn't necessarily be considered. Um, some some of them, maybe not all of them, but maybe wouldn't necessarily be considered a model. You just picked anybody that came in and asked. Yeah, right? any, anybody that I didn't put any requirements out there. I think mm. basically you had to be a girl because I, I wanted it to be for girls, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had no requirements. I just asked them, I think, five questions, and it was so fun because I got to know them. It was girls in my area that I—they're older than me or younger than me—and I didn't really get to hang out with them, you know, before right. that. So it was really cool getting to know who was around me in my in my community. So and then posting these pictures. Yeah, I'll have to find the website for you. But ever yeah. since that's what I had answered on my five, uh, top five question was, I related it back to my project, and after I won, I really used my voice um, on social media and during events, I would say like that this is my platform and this is what's going on. And also don't, um, I didn't try to like preach things at people. I tried to like live it. You know what I mean? So you, you speak positively about everybody and everything you say, please. And thank you. And just being a good kind person is something in itself as well. Mm. Did that answer the question? I got really excited totally. about my <laughs> Yes, I, if there was a mirror, you'd be glowing right now. I love it. Um, you're so <laughs> passionate and that's, you're exactly who I, this is like a balm for the last two weeks for me because I've been on all these radio shows where it's all people older. It's been mostly people older than me and, um, and they've just been millennial bashing. And I'm like, why did I get booked on these shows? Like I, there's no way I'm going to bash millennials. I birthed one first of all (laughs) (laughs) and, um, haven't, you know, and, uh, I'm not a bash the younger generation kind of a person anyway, but it was just, it was nonstop. And I was like, okay, you know what? These are the people that are going to be um, feeding me when I'm in a nursing home. So it kind of like is a good huh. thing to be nice to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to be maybe our government. You're going to be I our know. spokespeople. You're going to be make you know, leading change in the world. Um, exactly. and you, have, you have to listen to us. <laughs> Exactly. You have important things to say. And I think you get bashed because you have such a voice and you are the only generation that didn't have the internet. And then you did at such a critical time in your life. And no generation can ever say, uh, you know, unless something new happens down the road, but that is, that is something unique in the history of mankind. So your voice, I think tends to get squelched more because you, you have a truth that, you know, that scares people that are older than you. It really scares people because there's power in that. And anytime you have that kind of positive power, that can be scary to older people. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that, that that was actually something like that's a a tick marker thing in in history that, you know, us millennials and everything. That's so crazy. That's true though. It's true. You're the first generation that, you know, at, at that critical age of development, you weren't born with it. You weren't born with a smart a smartphone coming out of the womb. It right. hit you right at your those 
developmental ages. That's different than Gen Z, which comes up behind you. And that's different than Gen X, me, that, you know, comes up, you know, before you. So, um, so yeah. Well, last question is, where can people find out more about you? Um, so people can find more about me on my Instagram, I think is probably where people can find most about me. And my Instagram is my first and last name, Samantha Dahlborg. And um, I also have a blog called She Feels Citrine. So it's shefeelscitrine.com or on Instagram, it's she, she Feels Citrine. So those are probably the two places that you can find me. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks so much for reaching out. You reached out to us, which is awesome. So thank you so much for being brave and reaching out and agreeing to come on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to speak more with you. I feel like we're going to be best yeah. friends. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to have an after show talk. So listeners, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. And we will say thank you to Samantha. And thanks for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials. But seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight.